Right, welcome, Blues. Um, another Bobblecast uh, this afternoon. Um, there's been a bit of a, a big week in terms of news for the Blues, so it was certainly a fortnight. Um, it's me, uh, Dave Witchley, joined by uh, Matt Keenan from the Bobblers, and we've got a guest today uh, who's a very special guest, but it's the second time on the Bobblecast. Uh, welcome, John Blaine. Hi, Dave. Hi, Matt. Hope Hi, John. Well. Okay. I don't know what you've been on today, Dave, by the way, if you think it's good afternoon. I don't know what country you think it's the afternoon. <laughs> but, but the country I'm in, mate, it's gone eight o'clock at night and I've got my beer, so I'm looking forward to this. Because last time when I was on with Ronnie, we couldn't drink because we were driving. So, yeah, this will be better, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, at least we, at least, I think of anything, or obviously I still feel like I'm in March, the 87th of March at some point, and God knows what day of the week it is and all <laughs> Um, but yeah, no. The benefits are obviously we've started to use this remote business, and that means that ultimately we can we can do a lot more things rather than having to use cars to drive places. Yeah, um, that's good. So we're still, I, I, you know, we're still getting used to the old technology fronts as a bit of a technophobe, but we're getting there. Um, so um, I think the, the probably best place to start is obviously we've had an announcement that we didn't expect. Um, which was this morning, uh, there was obviously the SAG that, 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 that happened. Um, and we had the news that the Derby would be played at Goodison Park. Um, obviously, I mean, we've been quite vocal as a, as a fan group, um, firstly against Restarter and not having the fans, obviously, with coming to the acceptance that, you know, that, that Restart's happening regardless. Uh, but, you know, it still leaves a lot of concerns about gatherings and, you know, will people turn up at Stanley Park? You know, the leagues to play. You know, if it's not that game, the game after. Um, I mean, I'll st- I'll start with uh, you, John. Uh, what what are your thoughts on that firstly, mate? Um, thoughts thoughts about Project Restart or these yeah. games being played in Liverpool? It's being played in Liverpool. Just the, the news this morning, obviously, that we know that Sunday the twenty first is is the, is basically we're back at the old lady. Um, yeah, yeah. Sensible or not? Um, well, it, it's a difficult one, really, because um, I, I was very much an advocate that um, football without fans is nothing. So, you know, if, if we'd all been lining up in the division lobby, I'd have been in the lobby that says, don't restart football because fans can't be there. Um, clearly, that, that wasn't really a, um, an opinion that necessarily went down particularly well if you were a blue amongst reds, because they think there's some... Machiavellian reason that you might say that but I just think competition integrity is being diluted Um, we're going to get on to that I guess if we talk about subs and all sorts of things like that yeah but um, the competition is getting diluted a little bit Um, and now it now it's um, you know we're going to have empty stadiums and it becomes a tv fest then really they're going to bend and flex to the needs of television um, again, maybe Dave. I know you and I've chatted offline about this. We'll talk about, you know, cutouts or banners or piped in music and all those sorts of things, and and it'll all be attuned for the benefit of, of the TV audience. As, as far as you know, if we weren't going to have games um, with fans, uh, and therefore there were going to be empty stadiums, which is horrible, isn't it? The first Merseyside derby without any fans in there. Um, it, it perhaps then got a little bit more bizarre if you said you were going to have that game 250 miles away. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but not so bizarre if you consider it's purely for the benefit of television. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought it was quite cute that we were going to potentially play our home game at Southampton, which obviously is a stadium decked out in red. <laughs> um, so, so that, that would have been quite amusing. Yeah. Um, but, but, but your more serious point about whether there's going to be a, social distancing problem, whether fans are going to come out, perhaps in Stanley Park, in around Goodison, future games in and around uh, Anfield. I just struggle to believe, personally, that the streets are going to be empty when Liverpool are winning their first title in 30 years. So, be it on the heads of the people who've taken or given expert advice who say they can control this and they can police it, I think the police in particular will have some challenges on their hands. But as far as the SAG was concerned today and the the, the, the modest fan representation that the Fans Forum and um, Dave Kelly and his mates from the Blue Union and obviously the Spirit of Shankly were able to put forward, I think the decision was made before today. And as we perhaps all knew, 
the, the writing was on the wall as soon as Joe Anderson did what looked like a U-turn and said it'll all be all right anyway. And then, of course, Joe chose not to go to today's meeting. So I think he, he's made it clear indirectly what his views are. And I suspect his views remain the same. And so everybody will have their fingers crossed, hoping we don't get a spike in a city that's already potentially got an R above one. Yeah, John, I mean, I mean, I couldn't summarise it any better, really. And it's worrying, isn't it? You know, you, you kind of finished on the point about the I rate. And I wouldn't have thought that I was known about this three months ago, about, you know, all the scientific advice and what have you. And, you know, the R rate is obviously something that we want to keep below 1.0 simply because we want to keep it at bay. Obviously, 1.0 keeps consistent. And what we don't want it to do is spike. Obviously, we've got schools going back and they accepted that and flipped by 0.2. And obviously, the Premier League return anyway, you'd expect that people may start to gather privately. Obviously, if the if, if the league's in play, we're not soft. If you do a quick Twitter search on Stanley Park, you'll you'll quickly see that people are already coming up with plans to meet up publicly. Um, Matt? Well, I, I, yeah, but hang on a sec, Dave. But, but let's yeah. be honest here. If we were one or two games away, from um, winning, you know, a league title for the first time in a very long time, 30 plus years, we're a few years longer than they are. Um, I would be very surprised if there weren't lots of Evertonians out on the streets when it happened. So so, so I'm a bit at a loss for, for, for anybody to think that the red side of the city won't do exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's common sense, isn't it? You know, it's... It's a big moment for the Reds uh, section of the city. Um, so, you know, I, I obviously, it's, as they called it, the family derby over the years. We've all got, you know, my brother's a Reds. Um, certainly don't speak to him this week. I won't speak to him for a couple of weeks after. Um, but, you know, we've all got friends that are Reds. And, we, we you know, we, we all know that, that, you know, this thing will happen. And, and if the shoe is on the upper foot, like you say, that, you know, we're certainly not claiming to be saints. But... The, the fact remains, whatever colour you are, it's common sense and people's lives are at stake. So it's one of them situations that you've probably got to step back and, and think of the, the bigger picture on it. And, you know, it, it is worrying. You know, we, we've suffered far too many deaths over this period of time. and It's a bit of a morbid conversation. Um, but, you know, it, it's one of them things um, where, you know, we, we should really tread, you know, with, with caution. Um, I, I, you know, I was going to just go over to Matt. Obviously, Matt, not to big you up, but as someone who's played at Glastonbury, um, you know you've always been used to having big crowds there. You know, you, you know, you, that's what bands do. You know that, you know, you've been very much part of Liverpool band culture over the years. Um, but the prospect of players playing in front of no fans, obviously, as someone who's who's been used to these large audiences. How would you feel as a band playing in, in, in a stadium with no, with no one there? It it would feel like a practice, and there there is no avoiding the fact that whatever you do in any sort of performance or sporting activity that you do, you do feed off the crowd, and the crowd even unconsciously, you don't realise that you're getting a lift off the crowd, or you might be getting intimidated by if you're playing away, or there's there's a partisan crowd or something that. The crowd make it in whatever you're doing, whether it be in a gig or a football match, or you know, even you see it even at the, um, Wimbledon. You know the crowd, how the crowd can put a player off by the slightest noise, or they can be boosted by the, you know people chanting the name in between sets and stuff. So I think the issue is that if the game, if our home games are going to be played, I'd want them to be a Goodison. But the thing is, after everything that's gone on with like the DJ. Um, celebrations they did and then what Dominic Cummins did so, you know how are you going to tell as John said a lot of Liverpool fans who haven't seen their team in the league for 30 years how can you honestly tell them that they have to stay at home when all they have to do is turn on the news or look on Facebook or whatever and you can see crowds of people going to the beach or having raves in the woods or whatever or someone driving to the end of the country you can't then tell them that they can't go to Stanley Park and wait to have a party when they pull in the league well, ultimately, you can tell them, but the likelihood of them listening is very slim. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't think they should be there, just to clarify it, but I can't see how you can stop them. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be an incredible 
effort to even begin to try that, you know, morally as well. You know, obviously, if your leaders are doing different things, then often you'll find that the people below them will, you know, will, will ignore it as well. Yeah. Uh, John, obviously, you know, I, I've seen you've been a game project retard as such in the same camp as us. But as we know, it's becoming a TV project. Obviously, Toppy TV, you were talking with Baz the other day about it's a case now with the TV problem. Um, what what would you look at? I mean, Brucey and Munch and Gladbach were saying that their players actually felt better having the cardboard cutouts there. You know, they felt like it, it improved the way they were playing at home. Would you go down that route or would you go down a different route? Um, well, I mean, this is a, again, you talk about we wouldn't know what our numbers are. We, 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 we wouldn't necessarily have had a clue when someone started talking about how should we dress the stadium. You think, what are you on about dressing the stadium? Because we, <laughs> we, we, we used to have uh, bipeds who dressed the stadium, us human beings, didn't we? Yeah. Um, so, so I think empty seats and, and just empty rows, and it goes back to what Matt was saying, that it becomes a practice match, it becomes a pre-season game. I think something needs to be done to give, um, to use one of our old marketing things, to, to, to get the club, I mean, uh, to get the same the stadium a bit of fabric, to be honest. Um, yeah, if, if, if enough people want to pay to be a cardboard cutout, and that money went to everything in the community, I very much doubt much, many of us would have um, much, much of an objection to that. But there's not a lot of time to sort that out. And, and I'm an advocate and I'm very supportive of what you guys talked about whenever it was now, lads, a number of weeks ago, which is to get the banners out, get the banners out that we've, we've already used this season, you know, the Moise Keane ones, the, the, the ones for Howard and the like, and deck out the Gladys Street with that. And, and do something at the park end and because it's TV it's, a, it's now a three-sided stadium isn't it? Yeah. And, and perhaps yeah. do something for sponsors or forever in the community on the Goodison Road end um, but I just think once you get past the point of I don't think the game should be being played without fans in the stadium I, I, I can't have a great deal of interest really on how they choose to do it Yeah. Um, I mean Pete Molyneux who who I do, I should tag him on this now. Uh, Pete Molyneux, who I do a one-to-one podcast with every twice a season because he's a Man United fan, he messaged me this afternoon on WhatsApp and said, are, are we the only people who don't think this shouldn't be happening, this Project <laughs> Restart? I said, no, mate, there's plenty of a blue persuasion who don't think it should be happening. And, you know, and and, and so once he, he said, well, will you watch the games? And I said, well... I'll probably watch the derby because I won't be able to stop myself. But I very much doubt I'll watch any other games. No. And therefore, it's for the people who consume t- consume their football by TV, who will want to, it to have canned sound or I don't think CGI can be done. I'm, I'm sure there's been some technology firms trying to flog it to the Premier League or to individual clubs. But unless they're keeping it all secret and then they're going to spring upon us on the day, I don't know. But um, it's all going to be a bit surreal. You know, are they going to play the siren? I mean, the siren is about getting the fans going. If there's no fans in the stadium, what's the point? Yeah. You know, and so on. So I, I shrug with it, mate. I'm sorry. Uh, now that they're going ahead, I, I, I'm not that fussed either way, what they do with the dressing of it. But I would be really, I wouldn't be negative to anything, to be honest, but I would be really pleased if they listened to the fans and got those fan banners out and, and so on. Um, and I'd like to think if they were going to do that, people like you guys who, who've got, you know, perhaps one of the most memorable flags or banners sorted would know by now. So, yeah. Don't you think it's a slap in the face, though, to the fans? Like you said, Monson Gladbach was saying, we play better when there's cardboard cutouts. Well, how, how dare they ask the fans for their money then for the season tickets? Yeah, card, cardboard cutouts don't, don't, don't go on the lower Gladys and slag off their own players, do they? No, so, no. Um, <laughs> So, 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 so that's part of it. But, but the flip side of that is, it's a bit weird, really. I mean, maybe because Germany, Germany's quite, quite close to how we play. I was going to say maybe a, a more technical game, say Spain, for example, yeah. where you can take the pressure off by not having fans breathing down your neck. Maybe someone like Man City will find this very easy to play in. Yeah, but but clubs and and the the guys from across the park they feed on their fans. So yeah, it would be a slap in the face if uh, 
if the RS said, oh, actually, Anfield's much better when there's no fans in it, you know? That, <laughs> that can't be, can it? You know? Cannot be. Well, I, I remember, like, because, as Dave will tell you, I, I play quite a lot of Anfield on match days, and there was one game, only one game, that I can say, say hands on heart, that their fans won the match for them before kickoff, and that was uh, the Man City Champions League game. Uh, over, was it Champions League or was it a cup game? They played Man City in a, a quarter final, and um, the fans before the game had that game won. They didn't need to. The players could have done anything on the pitch, and the game was already won. But that was the only time I, I thought fans have made a massive difference at Anfield. So, and a big chunk of that was done outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was outside, and as they were coming in the concourses. So I think Liverpool, Liverpool's players. I think they do feed off the cop, but without getting into too much like what they call banter, I don't know how for how much the game the cop affects their team, whether it's just the beginning and the end. It does have an effect, definitely, but when you get into the meat of the game, like, say, from 20 minutes to 70 minutes, I think that's all about their team. Their team just knocking the ball around, sapping the, the energy from the other side. No, I, I, tend, I tend to agree, but if, if you look at our Stop, stop talking about them, I suppose, and talk yeah. about our place. Um, I, I, I think we, 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 we've got some players who we may say are fragile of temperament. Yeah, yeah definitely. And, uh, you know, and, and stress and intensity and those things. I mean, the difference between some of the guys who turn out in, in Premier League games and some of the guys who are very talented but never made it is the ability to perform under pressure and, you know, and, and, and be consistently of a standard when un- under pressure and and we we've over the years and we've perhaps got a few now who that pressure gets to them yeah um and you know if you look at i don't know a michael Keane or perhaps sigurdsson's a good example because sigurdsson's a, a superbly technically competent player yeah. but but why can't he do it well it must be or he hasn't been doing it it must be something to do with the personal pressure he puts on himself or fear of making mistakes or all those sorts of things. And the fans do contribute to that, you know? Yeah. Um, if you're having a bit of a mirror, they soon let you know. So yeah. we may actually find that some of our players who are technically good will actually play better because there'll be that little bit of dip. And it doesn't have to be a huge difference in pressure. No. Maybe it's only 99% instead of 100 um, but that might actually make a material difference. And I think I think I tweeted something about this um, a week or so ago about diff- players are going to turn up for these games in different mindsets, um, different levels of fitness. And we may see some real surprises about in results, really. Um, and I just wonder whether the reason we're getting all these injuries at the moment is that we're, we're thinking about that and striving, no doubt like other clubs are, to be as... Fitter than the next team, yeah. yeah, because because fitness is going to make a big difference as well. It's a good point, John, and obviously you won't get you know, and obviously this is a plus eighteen podcast as we always say. <laughs> you won't get someone shouting "fuck off, Gilfy" the second he puts a pass wrong, um, and it will be interesting to see the impact. You know, we're, we're... I tell I tell you what, Dave, the last podcast you guys put out had more effort <laughs> than, than anything. You, you'd, you'd obviously had a a good couple of bottles of wine or beer or whatever it was, yeah. And, and this one was going so well till you felt the need to... Uh... Go some out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, they won't get that, will he? That's the point. And yeah. um, despite the fact we're a noisy stadium, and, and I, I agree with Matt, really, uh, as an average, I would imagine we're far noisier than the, the stadium is across the park, you know, as from a, a levelling perspective throughout the game. Um, but even so, you know, it, it's a compact stadium. And if there's a couple of wags who've got it in for yeah, you'll hear them anyway. Yeah. yeah? So uh, so maybe those players will uh, just let their technical ability play for them. It probably leads us nicely on to the next point. And obviously, just, just finishing that, 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 that area off, uh, the Bundesliga, you know, obviously, I, I've never really bothered with the Bundesliga and watched out of pure boards and... And also because I wanted to see what they've done as best practice, whether it works, whether it doesn't and all that. And I've got to admit, at times I did switch off a bit. But what I did notice is at the Dortmund game, the last game, you had the fan noise on. And I was totally against fan noise. And then 
they had a reactionary element to it. So, you know, someone made a challenge that was like, you know, not booze, but it was, Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was reactive to, to part of the game. And it, it kind of was better than the whole echo thing that was going on prior. And then the, the game after that, the team didn't have the, uh, the fan noise. And it was nowhere. You know, it was, it, it'd be, all of a sudden, I switched on and thought, that hasn't got the fan noise. And I subconsciously recognised it. Um, because uh, you know that was almost me recognizing that the fan noise was better than an empty stadium. But, no, no. but you, you 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 mentioned before, Dave, um, me and Baz talking, yeah, yeah. Um, whenever it was back in the last month or something. And I think once we got our head round, this is really going to be, you know, um, a showcase for TV more than anything else. I think I said, well, if you're gonna, if it's going to be done for TV, go all in. You know, if you can CGI fans onto the onto the terraces, do it. If you can make the, the, the you know the the canned, it's not canned laughter, is it? But maybe it, it could be. Yeah. But, you know, if if you, if you have the canned uh, crowd sounds and stuff like that, if you can do that well, i.e., what you've just said, which is it's appropriate and it's not just like random cheering, which you hear sometimes, yeah, uh, on on some TV broadcasts, um, then go all in, you know, and say sod it. Let's just acknowledge it's it's purely a TV spectacle. And yeah. um, if they can do that, do it. So it depends what you want the outcome to be. If you want to enjoy watching the game on telly, then you will want those things. It, it, yeah, it, it, I, I actually, in true Everton fan humour as well, I've seen someone about the cardboard course out today. Everton, any, this fella behind me always gets off after 80 minutes. So I fully expect if he's in the crowd, that someone takes him. <laughs> <a minute. laughs> yeah. Well, there's a there's a guy who sits uh, along the road from us who arrives like, you know, it's a three o'clock game. He arrives at five past three. You know, he he disappears downstairs at twenty five to four. Yeah, that sort of thing. And you just imagine someone. Like, oh, right, seat two sixty seven. We need to remove that cardboard cutout now. Get him, get him to the bar for uh, ten minutes before half time. Yeah. Um, right. Um, it's an interesting. Uh, sorry, one thing I would be against, by the way, just because uh, even though I'm trying to show, uh, I'm trying to say I'm ambivalent about all this, is I did see something, and I don't know if you guys saw it last week, where the Premier League was thinking of having a wrap for the stadium, you know, um, and it would be the same for every great every game, you know, it would just be a a Premier League dressing of the stadium. I'd be totally oh, yeah, against yeah. that. Totally, that's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. It's like an extra kick in the side, isn't it? You can't have fans and then you can't have what you want as well as a fan base. The, the thing I would say, though, if we look at what Everton Football Club have been good at in, in, in days gone by and, you know, last numbers of years and excluding any reference to the charity, which is always the go-to place if you want to, you know, show us off in our best light. But our marketing and the season ticket renewals and all those sort of campaigns that we've done, They've all been top-notch and they've won awards and the like. So I rather hope that as we speak, some of those creatives within the football club are deciding how we're going to dress Goodison Park for um, a week on Sunday. And um, it's going to look terrific and we will step up and, and do better than others have done. Yeah, I'm the same, John. And as you know, obviously on the fans' forum as well, I personally spoke to the club on, on, on the 28th, um, on the on the, the the monthly meeting there, and gave on an idea, um, and the club did too, and invested in it, and obviously on the back of that, we put a few of the fan suggestions to the club on the first. Obviously, one of them was bringing Mister Testicles back, and there was a couple of new ones maybe there, but you know the, the club know about what the fans want, and I think there was a bit of consistency in terms of wanting to be unique and wanting to be Everton, and sometimes that's what we're about. With the originals, we're different. We do things our own way and we move in our own circles. Um, now, it probably moves us nicely onto the point about uh, the five substitutes because we discussed about the, the you know the, the pressures of having the crowd there and how that can alter people's game. Gareth Farrelly spoke recently on Toffee TV and a range of other podcasts, such as the Fans Forum podcast, where he has discussed how sometimes he didn't even want to get on the ball because he felt that under pressure. Maybe because we haven't got that pressure now, some of the younger players may actually, you know, be able to step up to the plate somewhat. 
Um, and the fact that we've got to use five substitutes, we may see more rotation in-game uh, rather than game by game. And that will require, because of our squad, a lot of the young players. Um, is there anyone in particular, John, you think that it, it's going to be a great opportunity for? Which kind of player do you mean? A younger player? Well, yeah, anyone that maybe would normally be in normal circumstances, you know, playing games. And now, because of the fact that we've got to use the five, we might get more game time. Well, we don't have to use five subs, do we? Was that mandatory? No, we don't have to. It's uh, yeah. I mean, I think the thing worth bearing in mind is this: this isn't pre-season, and it's not a training event. Yeah. It's competitive, and every place in the league's worth a couple of million quid, and. Um, we, we still have an outside chance of qualifying for Europe. So I don't think we're going to throw players in just for the sheer yeah. hell of it, you know. Um, very few, if any. I mean, I know people like Anthony Gordon are, are thought to have progressed well. You know, you know, Sims, of course, has been banging the goals in for the 23s. But Anthony's temperament needs testing in the Premier League. But he is a good technical player. So actually, he's probably someone who would be good to be, um, if you like, blooded in a stadium where his pace and his technical ability will stand out. Pace because the game is probably, at least in the early games, isn't going to be anywhere near the pace of a normal Premier League game. So the gap between under-23s and the Premier League will close. Being younger, you assume his fitness levels will be easier to get back. Sims, I don't think, you know, he's a real raw product. Um, then you've got the centre-backs, because that's where we've got some shortage. He may was it Braithways, is it? You know, yeah. he, he's going to have to be involved, if only because if we've only got two um, senior players who are fit for centre-back and they're on the field. They can't play all the games, you know, packed together as they are. And we always run the risk of, um, of some injuries. So I, I just think it's potentially overstated that we're going to see a load of youngsters getting blooded, to be honest. But, but those who will, get in and around the first team will be the usual suspects. So, Beningham, he's fit now, isn't he? But we're not short of midfield players. So, he's going to be stuck in... Well, Gomez may not be fit, might he not? But uh, um, I just don't see it, mate. I think Ancelotti will put out the strongest team he can for every game. And, uh, you know, any changes will be generally forced. I think When you get into subs four and five, I mean, they'll, they'll be forced. And he'll it, still be running it, I think, as a as a as a fourteen man game, yeah, I think I mean I think the games work out as that you've got a game every three and a half days. So if you're relying on Leighton Baines, for example, back or Jagiel for the centre half, then obviously you'd expect them not to be able to play. You know, ninety. Jags doesn't play for us anymore. You know, well, that, well, that's what I was going to be old. <laughs> some, some some of the old some of the older players that you know obviously that they couldn't do that. Obviously, Jags has moved on because of the fact that we felt he couldn't do that. Uh, Leighton has obviously played a handful of games, um, and I think I think Leighton Baines is a really good example because you know the man's been great over the years, but um, he's modified his game um, recently, and and he can do it, come in and do it for a game or two. But as we've we've said before about the weakness of Dean is either so out of form you don't want to play him. Or he gets injured and can't play. The thought of Leighton having to do ten games would be a real problem for us in a normal season. Yeah. But I don't think these last nine games will be anything like as intense as it would be if we, you know, if we hadn't had the break. So again, he's a good technical player and and he's learned to play within himself as well. So I think this is why it's it could be fascinating to see which players can perform. Um, without crowds, without that pressure. And and I would just default to the more technically competent they are, the easier they'll find it. it yeah, no, it, 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 it's an excellent point, really, uh, John. And, um, you know, someone that has been on the periphery who we kind of don't consider a young player because, you know, we bought him for a lot of money and, you know, he's done it in kinds of Italy as, as Moise Keane, obviously someone that, that we know well as a fan group. Um, Obviously, we've seen the news that Walcott was out for four weeks, so it gives us a bit of a problem on the right when we're struggling. Um, obviously, the, the the solution that's been touted around by some of the more technical experts, uh, such as Andy El Piviton, 
on Twitter is that obviously we may see Victor Arsenal go out to the right next season and bring in a forwards because we're struggling to get a right midfielder in. Um, obviously, that could be a solution for the derby, Matt. Um, do, you know, do you think Moise Keane, this could be his, his period in time where he gets the chance to really show what he's got? Well, it, it might give him a chance to get some confidence and score a couple of goals when there isn't the pressure of all the fans on him because he must be doing something right in training to keep getting in the squad. Um, they can't just keep putting in just because we pay whatever amount of money for him. So they, it could it could work in his favour, to be honest. I don't really like the idea of Richarlison being put out wide because I think him and Carbert-Lewin seem to have struck up a good partnership up front. Like I've said before on some of these podcasts, Brazil play him up front. So if he's good enough strength for Brazil, he's good enough for us. And I don't want to. I don't think shunting them out wide is going to be best for him. Yeah, now it's, it's, I think Moise. I think Moise Keane, you know, Dave would if if he's. I mean, we know he was a naughty boy once or twice, but if he's if he's because he's young, if he gets to close to match fitness faster than the next man, and his natural abilities, which are strength and pace, then even the best defence in the Premier League if their players are just 5% off where they would normally be then he's and Richarlison for that matter and in fact DCL they're all players who can exploit that but I I would like to know Dave where you think Moise Keane's going to play in a 4-4-2 because he's not going to do anything defensively is he? Well again I'd say Richarlison out out wide as we suggested Um, the thing for me, I'd, I'd, I'd be ten. The, the best game we've seen with Moyes' team was obviously the, the Newcastle game, which for me was no coincidence. Post Angelotti, um, I don't think Marco Silva really knew what to do with him and couldn't really get to grips with him. Um, the Newcastle game, being, was, being, being, being told what to do in your native language helps. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, and he, you know, obviously, who wouldn't listen to uh, Don Carlo? You know, he, you know he. He knows his stuff, you know, he's been an Italian international himself. Um, you know, I think people get the wrong idea sometimes of Moise Keane, and he has been a naughty boy who wasn't at 19, you know, there's plenty of young players. There's I no... wasn't. <laughs> yeah, well, no. <laughs> I, I was naughty from 16 onwards. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, mean, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not that we're condoning it by any stretch, but you, 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 you know, there's some people who are criticising would also suggesting we should sign Jack Relish for fifty million pounds. So, you know, he's made mistakes. Let's move on from it. Uh, Ancelotti, I, I play him up front. He's unpredictable, fast, fit, strong, and up until that bloody moment of badness. He was putting a lot of Instagram stuff and showing, you know, he was really determined. He was putting his training stuff up, and to, you know, him. Um, I just think he's he's got, he's got a bit of a product there, and I'd like to see more of them in in, in these next nine games. Um, it, it might put some of the rumours to bed. You certainly seen um, Anthony Gordon had almost doubled in size. Have you seen him before? Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's filled out, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, so you know, th- there are people ultimately that have used their time. Should we say in lockdown uh, appropriately, and they haven't been eating shite like I have and drinking. Probably a lot more than we would do. Um, Wayne Rooney came back in his, his typical style. Um, <laughs> the other day, but he's a technically gifted player, so I'm sure it doesn't matter. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, we're going to see some players a little bit more than we normally would. Um, and I, I tend to agree with you, John. You know, if we can play the first eleven as much as we can, then that 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 that's what we should be doing. We shouldn't just. Well, what? Well. Hopefully you've got a piece of paper in front of it. So what would your starting eleven be? I mean, based on where what we think we know about who will and won't be, you know, because obviously if, if we assume with the ones we know for sure that Gomez can't play either for whatever reason, what would you start? My starting eleven, 11 would be Jordan Pickford goal, Coleman right back, simply because of Mane uh, and Sadiwe's apparently a doubt. Uh, Keane, Holgate, Dinier. I'd then go with Richarlison in the right because it makes him a bit more elusive coming in off the wing. You can't mark him as easy. And obviously, as we know, the self-proclaimed best defender in the universe ever was playing you know, for them. Uh, I'd play Tom Davies in the in the middle just to give us a bit of guile. You know, Obviously, he knows the derby. He'll have the extra 10%. If he gets booked, we can always use someone off the bench. 
Um, obviously, Gomez is through a bit of a, a thing, but I thought Delph came on and done all right in the you know the game against uh, Arsenal. I know people will probably fume at that, but I probably would go with uh, Delph just because let, let let's play him for sixty minutes, see if he can last last the game. Uh, left midfield to go with a Wobi over Bernard, just physical presence. I do think he's a better progressive passer, and I think he's got a bit of a combination um, with the people in front of him. Although that I do know that Bernard gets a good game out of Dinye as well. And I, I would go with Moise Keane and DCL up front. I know it is changing the top, top two. But again, Moise Keane's unpredictable. He's fast, he's strong. And he, I think that he can, he can occupy the uh, Virgil van Dijk enough to give the Charles and the chance to, you know, to ghost in. As well. That's what I do. Um, so where's the creativity? Uh, the creativity, from? I think that Awobi's our most creative player. Um, Davies. Well, he is, but he'd rather play as a he'd 10. He'd rather play as a 10, but he will. In, in Angelotti's system, obviously, what you'd expect. And... There is no, well, there is no well, 10. What we've seen under Angelotti is that Digne tends to push right down the wing when we've got the ball. And, well, Bernard or Awobi, it tends to be Bernard, would step inside slightly. Uh, and then obviously the, the, the defensive centre midfield would drop off slightly. So I would expect the same kind of combination there where you'd see a Wobi slightly drift in, then you push further down the fields and probably press Trent Alexander Arnold as far back. I'd like to see him I'd like to see similar to City us try and overload them. You know, so we get as many players over there, quick passing and try and get behind them. And I think that's where the vulnerable their full backs like to get forward and that's where we should try and get our most attacking attacking creative players is down there wings um, the yeah I, yeah so my team would have been well let, 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 what would yours be Matt well mine would be similar to that but it would be controversial and I know it's a risk given how he's played in the last couple of derbies but I would honestly try Sigurdsson maybe instead of Delph and just see if without that crowd pressure whether we can see a bit more of the player we signed um, someone who can get on mm. the ball and spray a few passes around, and you know, someone who's good with free kicks. No, because I do honestly think, I know he gets a lot of criticism, and I can't defend some of his last performances, but he is a class footballer when he when he his head's on it. And I think without the pressure of all the fans there, and the fact that these feel like they may be like training games, we could see more of the Sigurdsson that he actually is. Because the, the classic, isn't it, is when uh, you hear players saying, oh, he does yeah, that all the time yeah. in training. Yeah, uh, And some of those, they do it all the time in training, might actually do it yeah. on the field now. Um, my, my, I had nine of the same 11 players as uh, Dave had, and I'm like you, I had Sigurdsson in, not Delph. So, yeah, I'd go with Siggy. Yeah, would. It's, I, I mean, it's probably, you know what it is? It's probably because I've been that biased against him for so long that I'm probably just writing him off of my head. And he's going to prove me wrong and score a screamer after about five minutes. I'm going to be praising him again. But, you know. <laughs> well, I, yeah, well, my other one, in case you're interested, is I'd have had Bernard on the left. Um, it will be, I, I can see the talent, but, but he's spent a fair amount of time running in treacle this season yeah. for us. But again, maybe that was the pressure of being new at the club and so on. And we know he's technically good. So maybe that's part of the thinking, you know, Matt. You, you go, as you have done with Sigurdsson, you go with the technical players because maybe, just maybe, that that's where they'll show what they're really capable yeah. of with, with that little bit of drop-off on pressure. And especially if City, as we rather hope, beat Arsenal and, and our boys don't even have the pressure of thinking they're going to do the unthinkable and, and let them win on yeah. our ground. It's not going to happen. I don't care what anyone says. We'll we'll make sure it doesn't bloody happen. We best as. Um, I'm sure Duncan Ferguson will be reminding him as well. Um, now, obviously, just moving on um, into slightly more business elements. Uh, I know you like your business sides, and uh, okay. you must get bored. <laughs> at least you've had some section of football because <laughs> you are an Everton fan as well, apart from knowing a lot of our business. Um, Allegedly, yeah. <laughs> um, we've had we, we've had a couple of announcements, really. Obviously, sports phaser have gone, um, and uh, Umbro have gone. So we've had Hummel and Kazoo, Yazoo, the, the, the popular milkshake of Kazoo. Um, from a business point of view, John, are we going forwards, backwards? Where are we? 
Um, business. I mean, <laughs> the jury's still out, I think, because if you look at what's going on here, we've got, um, if you just look at the shirts themselves, we've got a different manufacturer, a different front of shirt sponsor, and we're yet to announce, aren't we, um, and it certainly won't be Angry Birds, who's going to go on the sleeve. And I think when me and you were talking about this the other day, Dave, to my mind, rather than get hung up about, you know, Hummel's only 9 million and Umbro was 10 or Kazoo's only 9 million and Sports Pays was 10 or whatever, as long as the aggregate of those three deals is greater than what we had yeah. before, then that is clearly progress. Um, we can all debate whether we think um, with, with a different approach or different players uh, in negotiations and all those sorts of things, whether we should do even better with the numbers. Um, and, you know, and we'll talk about this in Everton Business Matters on Friday, I'm sure, because Paul and I had a little bit of a chit chat publicly on Twitter yesterday with, with, with Paul very much being in the camp of uh, our shirt deal is still very much middle of the table, which it is. Um, but we're not comparing apples with apples often. And um, those huge deals that the other side have and Man United have and, and so on, that apart from the fact none of these numbers are ever publicised, um, they, they tend to be the biggest the deal can be, not the guaranteed minimum. Yeah. And um, I, I rather suspect the gap is narrower than it looks. You know, like there's only a 50 million gap instead of a 65 million gap between the deals. But um, as long as we're going in that right direction, I think we can take a little bit of comfort. But overall, and I say this in every business matter, so I'll say it here, our commercial performance is pretty piss poor um, and, and we can't keep uh, kidding ourselves that because this deal may or may not have been bigger than the last one, that means it's good um, because we're so far behind. And if you listen to Everton Business Matters, I talk about the foot race analogy where we're in a, a race, a marathon or something. And at the moment, uh, the people we're competing with are still moving away from us. And that's the real issue. Um, as far as the, the, the actual companies themselves i think they're all challenger brands you know um kazoo is a disruptive brand and trying to create a new marketplace of fundamentally buying cars on the internet isn't it uh second-hand cars at that so i think both of them will see everton as um both hummel and kazoo will see everton as their main outlet if you will and, it, and it's a bit like the shirt deal isn't it do we want to be hummel's number one or nike's number 25 you know so um so, so I think the jury's out. Let's see when this round of uh, of uh, negotiations and sponsorship deals have all washed through. Let's see what the aggregate values look like, Dave, and, and, and see w whether they are actually better deals. Um, I think what people should do, though, in looking at uh, Sports Pacer and Kazoo, where there's a slight difference, where I think the general opinion is that the Kazoo deal is smaller in per annum numbers than the Sports Pacer one. I think it's absolutely great news that we're no longer got a betting company on the front of our shirt. I think it's great news that we've put to bed that moral dilemma of having a charity that tries to deal with the damages and the ravages on people that gambling addiction can bring. Whilst on a, on a Saturday afternoon, we were advertising it all over the ground. So I think that's great news. And if that the cost of that is a million quid a year, I think that's money well spent. Yeah, you know... It, it... Couldn't agree more, mate. And you know, it's we're constantly tussling with these things, aren't we? You know, and it's football against ethics, and and you know, we we do claim to be the people's club, and I know we've discussed this, and it's about being the people's club, hundred percent of the time, isn't it? Uh, as opposed to picking and choosing when when it suits, uh, it's something we should be looking towards. Uh, I seen Chico as well, one of my favourites. Uh, <laughs> Twitter has described uh, the the man Alex Chesterman as the uh, Elon Musk of your of auto trader. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> early days for that, I think. But yes, I mean the the man's been the man's been successful, you know, and um, and maybe this will be another successful brand. But he, you know, he's he's managed to attract venture capitalists to the tune of a few hundred million pounds. So, so for the people out there, and there was some dialogue on Twitter on this, how can this sperm that's only 18 months old afford to spend 10 million a year to have their, their name on the front of a Premier League football shirt? It's because they've got 200 million pounds burning a hole in their pocket, I suppose. Yeah, um, 
I, 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 we also need to, to also address the uh, the uh, red lettering scandal that's going on at the moment. Obviously, uh, it, obviously, we, I think we're going to see white lettering on the Everton shirts, are we? We're not going to see the red lettering for the company. I guarantee it will be white lettering on the shirts. <laughs> Come back and tell me off if it's if it's if it's not. Yeah. Obviously, Toffee TV spoke the other day saying about. Um, 2004, I think it was the last time that kids can have um, that, that that have been able to have the sponsor on their shirt. And as you say, John, you know, it, it's out. You know, it's a progress in terms of a, a model, uh, an ethical direction. Um, Matt, it is, it is. And are we not um, the only Premier League team who are going to have a British-owned brand on the front correct, of the shirt next yeah, season? Correct again. Not, you know, and there are positives. Are they real big positives? You know, in that, and then obviously, Matt, I know you, you've got uh, a million and one jerseys, and certainly your daughter. Yeah. So she'll be able to wear the same sponsor as you'd have on yours, and it won't be different. She does notice as well, and um, because when she looks through some of my old shirts, she calls them by, um, she calls one the chicken shirt because it's got the cock sport thief on it, and the others she calls like the <laughs> elephant shirt, things with Chang on, and she. When we both got the home kit, the first thing she noticed, she was saying, oh, it's the same. And then she looked and went, but you've got reading on the front. And she spotted that mine had sport pager on it and theirs didn't say anything. So it is a thing that the, the kids do notice that their kits don't look like the ones that the players are wearing. And I think that makes a difference to them. To me, I'm not that bothered, but the kids do see it. And I'm sure the companies who are advertising on the shirts... It must have something to do with the money they give you. They say, well, we can't put our name on your kids' shirts and you sell so many of them a year. So we're losing out on that advertising. So that will reflect on what we pay you. I'm just guessing this, like when we're we're giving you our sponsorship money. So if you've got a, a, a sponsor that can be on all the kits, I'm sure you can get more money out of them for that. Well, again, obviously, I'm not the, 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 uh, the master on business. We don't want to delve into much of the uh, pre-episodes on Friday. But, um, obviously, there the probably is a lot more opportunity, isn't there, John, to, 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 to exploit certain angles because we haven't got sport pages as opposed to what we've got with Kazoo. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, perhaps lost in the details somewhere, and it'll, I guess it will come out, is, and certainly people will know that, um, Kazoo won't be on the front of the ladies' shirts, for example. So, so the ladies can have their own sponsorship deal. I don't think Kazoo will be on the front of the academy kits either. So there's opportunity there. And of course, I guess because we've got rid of Sports Pacer, we can go out and get ourselves a uh, an official betting partner as well. Yeah. So, which we wouldn't have been able to do before because obviously the conflict with the front of shirt sponsor. So when all those things are added up then uh, maybe the upside will be somewhat more significant than we currently and think And for is. the everyday match going plan, that, that's, that's certainly a thumbs up, isn't it? Um, I, I did see some conflab, and I, I'm sure you'll you'll get deeper into this. Uh, but a lot of these business deals are, uh, well, when I say get deeper into this, I mean when you, when you speak on Friday. But a lot of these business deals do seem to be stacking up, bizarrely, for three years' time. I wonder what's happening yeah. in three years' time, John. I, th- I think that's probably just purely coincidental, Dave. To be honest, um, yeah. there's a, there's... Uh, th- I was going to say three years is the new five years, isn't it? Back in the day, one of the things I was most critical about Elston was when he did the oh, kickback no. deal for 10 years, which was ridic- ridiculously long if you get it wrong. It's fantastic if you get it right. Very wrong. Got it wrong, didn't we? Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think. I think the, the the club's managing to position these things just right. Obviously, the year before um, we go into Bramley Moor will be an, an exciting year in, in many ways and a very sad year near the end for people like us because we'll leave Goodison for the last time. But uh, the commercial guys will be very busy with hopefully a queue of suitors who, who want to take advantage of the massive publicity that is bound to flow from uh, that beautiful stadium on the banks of the Royal Blue Mersey. So, uh, yeah. Be, being free to refresh all these just as we go into Bramley Moor 
or maybe even a bit sooner because I'm sure all these deals have got break clauses in them. Then, uh, yeah, that's good news. And there's a lot of people so, who are news. starting to speculate to say, oh, we, we, this is the next part. Obviously, Denise Ben Jackson's there, but there's an announcement to say, this great news, we, you know, the season ticket holders have um, put £400,000 from refunds, and we're, we're matching it with £400,000 from uh, Farhad Mashiri and Bill Kenwright. Um, so that was great news, the £800,000. 6,000 6, families are being helped already on the Blue Family campaign. Uh, and then there was a bit of announcement in the background that, that some wages have been deferred, and it, it created a bit of a panic online because people started to say, why are we deferring wages? Um, family more's not happening. Family more, is it happening or, or, or not, John? Um, well, I, you know, I occasionally get to speak to people at the club and ask them what's going on. Um, they will have their corporate uh, sort of stock response around what's going on. But then you, you look behind the covers on that and perhaps get some off the record stuff and what have you. I mean, when, whenever we talk about this on business matters, the, 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 the piece of the jigsaw that's not public and will will give people some angst is how we're going to fund this thing. Um if we, if we look at the timeline, which the club published, crikey, 18 months ago now, and they've done reasonably reasonably well, in fact, quite well, to stick to it, then we're expecting a decision out of Liverpool City Council in the summer, which is nice and vague, isn't it? So, um, but but in the summer, and summer hasn't started yet, because I don't know if you know, boys, but summer doesn't officially start March? on the 26th is of June. March? Got March so, <laughs> no, no, no. Summer starts on this year. Summer officially starts on the twenty sixth of June, and it will run through to September time. Okay, so so we can anticipate a response out of uh, Liverpool City Council. Hopefully, before then, clearly, whatever they decide, and we have to assume automatically it's going to be positive um, after all the work that's gone on. Then it will go to the Secretary of State, who will have to decide whether to fundamentally make a decision based on the papers that's put before him or heaven forbid do something a bit more draconian and if this thing ever goes to a, a public inquiry then we might as well all pull stumps and go home so so i think we can expect and hope sometime in september time maybe a bit earlier maybe a bit later that we'll get the final good news that yes if you've got the money boys and girls you can go off and build this stadium and uh, therefore we could expect some you know boots on the ground before the end of the year and um, the club are running a tight ship, and that's the story I consistently get. Um, so let's wait and see. Um, clearly, if you've got a bearish view of the market, money's going to be tight, recession, bad time to build a stadium, debt, all those sorts of things, then it's very easy to convince yourself it'll all be delayed for a year while they sit on their hands. Um, but as most sensible people who've lived for any length of time know, tomorrow never comes and time kills deals. So I think there's going to need to be some bold decision making by Mr. Mashiri and his advisors when the planning application is granted and what to do. And I think he should come down and I rather suspect he will come down on the side yeah. of let's get no, on with it. John, I, I, and again, you know, Obviously, big enough on TV here, and he deserved the big up. But you, you were speaking the other day on there, and you, you talked about uh, let's look at the long term as opposed to the short term. And you know, obviously, Baz was wanting his centre midfielders in in the summer, and, and you were saying sometimes we need to play the long game. Um, but that, that, I think every Evertonian is just at the moment desperate for this Bramley Moore to go through. I think you know that's you know over you know. Obviously, we all want the best 11 we can pull out, but I think Bramley Moore sets us up for a lifetime. You know, Mass, you know, I'm sure that you want your kid not to go through the same pain as you've gone through. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, we were... I was their age last time we won the league. Was it? Was it? Yeah. And I'm looking at it now thinking, you're still a baby. Yeah. How's it been that long? <laughs> and, the, you know, we, we've got to look at the long term. So, Bramley Moore um, is going to be the, um, you know, the thing that we're focusing towards, we're striving towards. And, and John, you, you give me a bit of hope, I'll be honest with you, mate. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll probably, get, well, 
your listeners, if they've not listened to Business Matters, perhaps they should, because I think we'll we'll end up going into this and and the consequences of COVID and the impact on cash flow and, and the material changes it may not just make. We've just been talking about players and you were talking about Matt being on stage and your mindset's different if there's a crowd there or there isn't and so on. And, and the same applies in this case, really. Whenever there's, um, forget the, the medical side of this, just look about impact on economies and the like. There are going to be some people who, during this um, forecasted recession, are yeah. going to get very, very wealthy. They're, they're going to steal an advantage because of their preparedness to be bold and make decisions. and Make decisions that perhaps other people will not make. And uh, it's quite possible that um, making a bold decision and pushing on with the stadium could be the best decision that Fahad Bashiri ever, ever makes. Um, under the covers of all this, the, the other side of the, the, of the park have announced they're going to extend their stadium again. But uh, I've not heard anybody saying they're going to pull back from that. I would have thought they're perhaps more likely to pull back from that than we are to pull back from Bramley Moor because it's it's more important yeah. to us, you know, um, because we have to move. It's not optional, really. Um, they're just trying to get a few more tourists <laughs> into Fleece, uh, and therefore the risk profile for them is quite it's, different. Well, it's a bit of reassurance, and I think, you know, you, you obviously look look at the stuff and you wonder what, what it means, and it's had a bit of clarity. And I, I would say, you know, Obviously, since I've been on the fans forum, I've been a lot more conscious to get involved in, in other things that I don't really understand. And since I've started listening to, to Business Matters, Everton Business Matters, I've started to understand as just a normal person, as just a normal fan, um, you know, how business fits into football. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's not, if anyone's listening now and they're thinking, it's not for me, honestly, it, as a normal fan, you can listen to it and you can enjoy it, and you'll be able to read what the, what the guys are saying as well. Yeah. Well, we've got a, a guest host this week. Who's as well. the guest host? Ah. <laughs> I'm not That's a tune you. in. You have, to, you, you have to listen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you'll have to wait for the tweet to come out saying, and you know, Everton Business Matters is ready, and John Paul and X will be. We'll be talking about stuff because, um, in all seriousness, um, uh, Tom Martin, our, our regular host, you, you perhaps don't know, he works for the NHS and therefore yeah. he's busy. A lot on this plate then. So, so he has, mate, he has. He's, he's, uh, he's doing a sterling job. He's not front line, but he's right there helping and doing his bit. And as as far as I can tell, working such tremendously long hours, it's not true. You know, we'll probably finish it there on on an excellent point. To be fair, uh, John, you know, that like what you said with Tom, a big shout out to anyone that, that's on the front line, Tom and everyone else. You're doing fantastic work. The Blue Family, um, Dave Kelly and the boys that are, you know that, that, that are doing a lot of work with the PPE stuff. And Robert Daniels, Rob, you know, Daniels, you are really, really making a difference to our community right now. So, if you're listening, thank you. Um, you know, you're fantastic people uh, doing the right things at the right time. And, and you know, Everton Football Club, as part of the Blue Family campaign, as people may have seen on our Twitter, phoned me dad up. He started his chemo the other week, uh, and he gave me dad a timely boost. Um, I, I didn't expect anything from it. I just put, I filled in a, a form. Our next minute, we had uh, Graeme Stewart calling us up. My dad thought it was a prank phone call from some fella from London who was from the marketing company. Uh, but no, it was Graeme Stewart, uh, the diamond himself. Um, people are doing fantastic work. Thank you for coming on today. Um, and that's uh, the future's blue. We're going to see Bradley Moore. And um, keep safe, keep at home, wash your hands. <laughs> and we'll see, <laughs> we'll see you Drink more beer, drink, drink more, more wine, beer. um, and uh, and we'll see better fit. You know, we'll all be, it's a Everton football club's a community. We all miss the match days, we all miss you know, miss meet, meeting up. We're family, we're not just friends, uh, and we'll be we'll see better days together. So, uh, bye for now, uh, and thank you all for listening, and thank you, John and uh, Matt. Thanks a lot. Yeah, so my pleasure, really. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, uh, Dave. Take care. Thank you for listening. Um, another episode done. 
Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, I definitely encourage you to listen to uh, Everton Business Matters on Friday. Always incredibly insightful. You'll learn a lot more about what Everton's about. Um, As you've seen, John Blaine knows his stuff. As we move towards Bramley Moor, I would love to see Camel Fat perform there. So we're going to finish off with Camel Fat for a feeling. Enjoy, keep safe, wash your hands, and we'll see brighter days together.